And with that intro, hello and welcome to this month in Motorsports 2023 edition, the relaunch, because we've done it. Who remembers the uh, format? I do. 10 minutes on any motorsports subject of our choosing around the world. I'm Sean Smith. I'm joined by Christopher Strickland. Good morning. Alistair Walker. Good afternoon. And Sam Green. A good evening. Very clever, boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Some say we rehearsed that. Yes. So others say that Definitely Sean. Sean other, take. Others say that Sean didn't press the right button. And uh, others are right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this month for motorsport, literally, we can have any subject we want in motorsports. We've got ten minutes on the timer. We can do what we want. It's 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 my favourite show. I'm going to start with the first subject of 2023. Andretti and Cadillac. They have a new entry to try and join Formula One in the next couple of years. As a sort of works team, sort of not. Yeah. A manufacturer backed but not works team, I think is the best way to say it. Yeah. Let's, so let's discuss. Coming again. on board with Cadillac and therefore GM. It's quite a big backing, let's face it. And Andretti is hardly a small team. And then F1 just don't seem to want them. Nope. No. Nope. Andretti who are quite big in America, Cadillac, who are just big. Um, yeah, I'd say I mean, their cars are certainly big. Precisely, <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't see Cadillacs over here. You see CTSV every now and then. You see Cadillacs because you come across them on a B road and they're taking up the entirety of the road and yeah. you have to yes. throw yourself in they're the They're either very, very old cars driven by quite old men or fairly new cars driven by old men (laughs) (laughs) but it's alright because Cadillac wants to have a nice sporty brand again they do in America they have the VTSR I think it's called it's got a V8 manual gearbox 600 brake horsepower it's their version of the Hellcat it is yeah it does look very nice but I don't think I'd want one no not over here no no (laughs) bit big yeah and a very 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 no, I, don't think I think it's about the same size as like a, an M3 or something like that should we talk about F1 Sorry. yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's and, uh, Michael Andresi the son of Mario Andresi who also was a Formula 1 driver but uh, we don't really want to talk about that yeah. we'd rather talk about his fact he was very very good at IndyCar and very good just generally as a driver he raced for McLaren in Formula 1 though didn't badly. he badly yeah. um, and yes he's, he's very, very, he is a successful man Michael Andresi yeah, but I think the problem I think the problem they've got is you've got this you've got F one, which let's be honest, it's an elitist sport, it's got an elitist mentality. And then you had Michael Andretti who probably came from a uh, a good background, but his dad was Italian and he came from a you know, from the roots of, of, of America and came through the system and then he's probably brought his sons up in that way. Who the F one elitist might not view him as an I... as an elite. But my point being is that He's come into it, he's had discussions with the F1, he's all this other. And then what's happened is he's he's aired their dirty laundry. In that he's gone, we've had these talks, and it's all broken down, it's all their fault, and they're all done this, and they've had he's had a go at F1 and the teams and so on and so forth. But yeah. not let him into the spot, and the teams have gone, Well, if you're gonna do it that if you're gonna play that game, we're just gonna put our foot down and you're not gonna get into this. It doesn't matter how much backing you get, it doesn't matter what type of Frankenstein team you you bring together with you your GM sponsors and with Cadillac and then your Renault engines and so on. So it doesn't matter what you do, we're going to put our foot down because you've aired dirty laundry and we don't like that because we're the elite. Which is disappointingly petty, because, I mean, F1 should be glad to have more entries, realistically. Mm, Especially ones that come from... I mean, we've had some minnows over the years, like 40, um, 
Minardi. Minardi. I mean, Minardi are probably one of the better ones, to be fair. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. They're the longest lasting. I was going to go for people like HRT. Simtech. Don't you dare. Simtech, no. Yes. Don't talk to it about oh, his, I just read Hispania. MasterCard Lola. Yeah, Lola. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, but there was an though. But No, no, no. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It was, it, was a, it was a previous gen IndyCar, which oh, they yeah. thought they could make but it to an F1 car. I understand F1 don't want to have that again, but I don't. I mean, we've got Haas in F1 at the moment, who are a small American funded team. Yeah. They're not. They're not so far behind. They're not this tiny team that's folded in three years like someone like HRT. I don't think yeah, there'll be a risk with someone like Andretti. And I don't see that having another manufacturer on the grid, even if it's a smaller midfield team, would be bad for Formula One. The but problem is, is that Formula One is populated, along with Haas, by big teams. Yeah. Um, someone called Ferrari. They're quite big. Mercedes, quite big. Renault. In case joining? anyone was unsure of Sean's allegiance, he is wearing a Ferrari F1 shirt right now. Ignore that. <laughs> um, I'll happily point blame Ferrari as well for this this situation and the um, half blocking of a smaller team joining the grid because it dilutes the va- their their value of the sport. Um, Basically, because my understanding is they split the prize money, money at the end of the year and the Formula One had two pots of prize money: one that goes to everyone, one that goes to the order of the positions ended. Okay, because my understanding of the way F1 split their funds is you also don't get anything in like your first two or three years. Of... Yes, basically. And you've got to pay a massive entry fee. The yeah. whole way F1's kind of distribution of... Because if I remember, it's actually distribution of like the... The, the distribution rights. rights. The, yeah. Yes. That's what it and was, the whole... I don't think, anymore. Because okay. they, had the, they had the Concord Agreement after Bernie Eccleston left and then Liberty Media came in and went, well, the teams are unhappy about the distribution of wealth because Bernie Eccleston used to make it so that the more valuable branded teams like Ferrari, McLaren, etc., got bigger pots. Yeah, because it was basically biased <clears throat> against the small teams exactly. even survive. The exactly. worst one of that was the historic teams. Oh, yeah, because yes. like Williams got a massive Yeah, fund. but Sauber, who were nearly as old, didn't get anything Yeah, because they're small. <laughs> Sauber are great. Sauber have been building race cars for donkey's years. Oh, yeah, they've been building once since 93 or 94. Uh, yeah, well, no. even out they were testing a... Car 93 then. I was thinking even outside of Formula One, they built race cars. They were Mercedes. Yeah. They were go- before Mercedes chose McLaren. They were going to be Mercedes's entry into F1. Mm. I mean, they'd worked together in sports car racing before, so that makes sense. But the point is, Andretti have been told to go away with their little privateer team and find a big car company to make them to make them seem like a real team. They've done that, and they're still not going to be guaranteed it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's down to the team just being sceptical of how much It's not sceptical, it's no, they're greedy. Being, no, they're being sceptical on how much involvement Cadillac's going to actually have because for all intents and purposes, Andretti could just turn up and run his own team. And it's just because oh, yeah. it's called a Cadillac, it means he gets free entry. And I think it's that's the team. That's the thing the teams are going against is how much in reality is Cadillac going to get involved? I don't think it matters. Well, it, does to, it clearly does to the elitists. Well, it shouldn't matter. I mean, I know it shouldn't matter that, because yeah. you've got Hass. Because you get no, but you Sauber get you'll get the that. big banners saying Cadillac at tracks, which is what Formula One wants. Mm. Well, they probably and want the Ford. Cash. Actually, in, fine, in fairness, they want Ford. They don't want Cadillac. Yeah, but that's a different. It's beast. a different kettle of fish, I know. But the, if F One could choose, they'd go for Ford. But Ford won't put their own brand on F One. Well, they have apparently no. been. They have apparently been. They won't do it. They'll put either Jack. Well, they would have put Jaguar in the past. These days, they'll probably put. Who's, who's there? Is it Plymouth? There? Are they still around? No. Uh, no, they don't have Plymouth. They've got Mercury, but that's a luxury car brand. I don't yeah. think they'd put that on an F1 car. I think they would, probably, because it's that luxury element. Well, no. I mean, the thing is, 
Mercury's are only really sold in the US as well. Yeah, it would true, be a very yeah. poor... <laughs> but America is the world out. It'd be, no, yeah, it... but it'd be like Toyota coming back and having it branded Century. No, because they're not a brand. It is a brand. No, it's not. It, it is. is in the way the Japanese sales structure works. It's like Corolla's a brand in Japan. Oh, that's different. That, specific model. That, that's just certain guarantees. No, yeah. He's, he's right. No, because yeah. that's like saying Cooper's a brand. Which they're not! <laughs> <laughs> Sean is still upset about the Cooper. I'm very happy they're not, not doing one in Formula E. Come sue me. Um, what do you think? Do we, how do you think this will end? I hope it gets on the grid. I really hope it gets on the grid. Whether it's with Cadillac or however it ends up being I think yeah. Andressi have done enough in other series to prove they are one capable and two serious enough to run that car the only thing you can say is fairly untested at the moment is their manufacturing because generally what they run is a customer car whether it's the Indy car which obviously is bought from Delara or their GTP which obviously is an Acura yeah, they're linked up. So that's the buying that. But from what's Acura. the Acura underneath? That's a Orica. An Orica. So obviously, but they're they're used to dealing with this these sorts of companies. They're a big enough company. They've they've said that they can raise the money to do the entry, which is Chris just said that two hundred million pound entry dollars probably dollars a lot of money either way either way ridiculous really is going to put enough people off that you're not going to get the likes of lola and simtech and those dnq cars you're not going to get them you're only going to get people who are genuinely serious about being there either that or people who are laundering a lot of money <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome to that. twitter grand prix yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that's the 10 I'm minutes gonna, i'm gonna stick my neck out and i think the, i think the way that andretti gets on the grid he buys Williams' slot. That's the other way of doing it, is think... buying someone else's track license, I, essentially. I, I remember about Christmas time, they were talk, I think there was talk about... Um, I can't remember the investment company that bought Dorothy Williams. Capital. Dorothy Dorothy Capital selling Williams. So I'm going to stick my neck out and say they're going to buy their slot. Yeah, I hope so not. Watch... I like Williams, and I hope I want to be, them to be on the grid. So watch so. this space, everybody. Yeah. Mm. Right. That's it. Time is up. Who wants to go second? Shall I go? Because I have... No, prepared. Yeah, this is the most prepared Sam's ever been yeah. for a, for a podcast. Actual paper, and we've notes. done what at least a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> well too many to start researching now. Yeah, um, but he's here in real life. Ten minutes, Sam. Start the clock. So, I have watched the Dakar. All of it. Most of it. <laughs> Did it start in Paris? No. Did it end in Dakar? No. <laughs> <laughs> as, is, is, as is tradition. <laughs> it is Dakar only in name. It was all in Saudi Arabia. They went from, and you ready, there's some good names. Is it twinned with, Par- with uh, Paris? No. Okay. I don't is it think twinned so. with Dakar? I didn't look into that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. They started in Yambu in Saudi okay. Arabia. Yeah. Uh, and they w- uh, they raced uh, to Dammam. That's not all, almost like Dakar. Also in Saudi Arabia via um, Riyadh. Riyadh. Yeah, that's yep. the, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a place. pronunciation. Yep. Um, and their rest stop was in Riyadh. Um, but each stage is roughly five to six hundred kilometres. Nice so hotels, apparently. Very, yeah. very long stages, proper off-roading. There is no roads, really. It is pace notes from the road book, and that is about it. And when I say pace notes, we're not talking like WRC style, of this is what's coming up. It is a compass bearing. <laughs> and a distance and that's all you get really and a, and a hazard yes because I seem to remember 
going back in the when it actually did run between Paris and Dakar, it was Ari Vatanen saying about running in the Paris Dakar, and saying you'd get lost in the desert at times, and you'd think, right, we're going to set off in this direction, then you'd see a car going the other way and think, oh no, um, <laughs> so one of which, us is wrong. <laughs> yes, which one of us is the one going the wrong way? So quite often the way that they run it now, because they have obviously there's six or seven different classes in the Dakar now. But they send the bikes first. So the bikes kind of lay down a little bit of a track. They have kind of an idea where they're going to a certain extent. Um, and then the cars and the trucks and everything else follows. So they kind of get a bit of a clue based off of the tracks from the bikes, roughly where they should be going. And what happens when the bikes get lost or fall over? That's exactly <laughs> it. And that's the trouble. And there was one stage where um, I saw a, a great clip where the weather was atrocious the bikes had to slow down so much just because of like their goggles were steaming up and getting too dirty and they couldn't see whereas the cars obviously don't have that problem so the cars caught up with the bikes and then overtook them which if they're in their own races that's fine but then the cars had no real way of knowing where they were going apart from their pace notes and there was just videos of cars crisscrossing and going opposite directions <laughs> and then cars would get into a train how does that happen though if, you, if you're going off compass bearings well this is the thing but some of the pace notes it will be a rough bearing for x amount of kilometers then you should turn right by right. 90 degrees because i'm guessing they're probably avoiding things like rocks and mountains <laughs> well, and yeah houses. dunes that they yeah. know they can't climb big lakes or Obstacles they know exactly. they can't get around. Actual, when I say hazards, it's not just a rock. It's one rock, like WRC, it'll be rock inside, don't cut. <laughs> this will be a mountain, or yeah, an impassable sand dune, or a river, or something like that. Um, so, yeah, they, they get to a certain point, and then they don't need know exactly where they should be turning. So <laughs> there's sort of about a kilometre where they might need to turn right. One of them will go, I think it's now. And then someone else will go, oh, they've turned, and yeah, react. react and do it. And then you end up with them going, oh, no, that was too early, and turning back again. And it all ends up in a bit of a mess, but that was quite entertaining <laughs> to watch. But this is tough. This is, these are very long stages. They're racing. And this shows the average speed as well, to be fair. These 600-kilometer races are taking them about six, six and a half hours. That's decent. That's that pretty good. pretty good. Play. Although, I guess... What's the initial problem? That's 400-ish miles? Roughly, yeah. yeah. I guess it's a big when stage. you get lost, you're just kind of flipping the car around and trying a different putting route, your foot yeah. down the floor um, again. And the, obviously the cars break, and there's there's that aspect of it as well. Crash. In big flip. crashes. Quite big crashes. I mean, there was one, uh, some notable incidents. We'll come to the podiums in a minute. Notable incidents. Uh, on the final stage, Carlos Sainz had a fairly major senior. accident senior. I was going to say do we mean the real one or the <laughs> no no F1 senior driver? although junior was there for the first three days of that the was part, that was going the news for being like a bit not allowed yeah it wasn't because he, what he did and this is a really like I mean Dakar basically we're like look he is against the rules but he didn't actually do anything so we're not that fussed um, no team members technically are allowed within a kilometre of the vehicle until they get to the service park or the Birawak, as they're known in Dakar. Um, and you really have done any research. I have, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, He's never um, done it again. No. And Carlos and Junior, Carlos Sainz Junior, was in a helicopter. How high was the helicopter? Not high, not a <laughs> kilometer up. But obviously, a helicopter's slightly different. Um, then his dad had a puncture, 
so stopped. So they landed the helicopter, and he just observed as a spectator, okay. technically, from enough of a distance that he wasn't actually helping change the wheel or anything like that. But he was in view of the cameras. He was in view of the cameras, and then his dad got back in the car, got belted in, then realised he couldn't reach the door. So Carla, so his son closed the door. And some of the teams were like, well, he's helped the car. He closed the door. I mean, in fairness, I know I can see their argument because you're like, well, that would take him like 15 to 20 seconds to go. To undo his belts, to exactly, lean out, yeah. get the door, rebelt. Yeah, I get I what can, you mean. I can see their argument, yeah. Yes. Although, there's, in other rallying this, but so WRC, there'd not be any penalties from a spectator doing that would there this is what because spectators are constantly pushing cars out of ditches in the WRC (laughs) it's most of the reason they're there half the time we have to tell them not to Um, but uh, but yeah essentially Audi who Carlos Sainz Senior was driving for said he's not a team member he was a spectator and all the spectator did was help shut a door yeah Yeah. your honour which he wouldn't have been allowed to drive with the door loose. That would have been a stop to repair anyway. Even if he'd rolled it and the door had come loose, he would have had to stop and repair it. Um, so that's that's what it was. And the organisers said, okay, don't do it again, essentially. Ever. <laughs> Which is fair enough, I thought, because he didn't interfere with the race. And I think I don't think Carlos Science won that stage anyway. I can't remember what stage it was. How old is he now? He must be in his sixties. He is in his sixties. He's like sixty-two. Yeah, not um, to mention he was he broke something. Was it his wrist? Yes, it was his back. Or was it his back? He yes. Broke his back. Uh, on the final stage, he rolled down a sand dune um, for fun. Yeah, just rolled the car down. <laughs> this is what it. happens when you get lost, though. Is you think right, it'll be just over this small crest. That is not a small crest. <laughs> and then it's you a fall a kilometre down the <laughs> yeah. hill. Um, but yeah, essentially got out the car. Felt pretty rough and got medivaced, as in in the heli- the evacuation helicopter, to take him to a hospital. Got halfway to the hospital and then said, actually, I feel fine now. Can you turn around? <laughs> yeah, go, go. Can I finish the stage? <laughs> so they took him back to the car. They fixed the car. He got back in the car, <laughs> drove actually, it. Actually, I feel fine. Yeah, finished the stage, which was the final stage. And then went flew to back to Madrid and then went, actually, no, I do feel quite rough. Went to the hospital and he'd broken four vertebrae. Idiot. Which is quite a major. I mean, you can tell he used to, to drive rally cars in the nineties and eighties. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we also had unfortunately on stage nine, um, an Italian spectator was killed. Was he trying to shut a door? No, no. Yeah. This is the fourth year on the trot that there's been a fatality at the Dakar, um, and it was an accident, an undefined accident in the sand dunes between the spectator. And one of the rally trucks, which is the big lorries. Mm. Um, so don't exactly know what happened. If you had to guess, I would imagine they were stood on a ridge he's watching them. And he's come over the ridge and... Yes, unfortunately because there's no a... defined route. Exactly. There's no yeah. easy place to stand where you're not going to get in the way. No, it does seem like it's an event that would be very hard to spectate for outside yes. of the start and finish area. Exactly. So unfortunately, the island man is back this year and they'll be like, hold my beer. That's true. Um... Now, to but, be fair, at least they have designated places for the spectators to stand. Yeah, it's just people's true. driveways. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that was a, a fatality. There was a few other various injuries. Most of them, um, Sam Sunderland, who was the bike, wasn't that on the first day? That was yeah on stage one. Yeah. Uh, he won the Dakar last year. British guy on the bikes um, was hoping to win it again. Had the bike to win it again. I mean, uh, I, I know he crashed I'm... on day one and broke his. Sh- 
collarbone and his wrist. So I'm that was that. I'm surprised that stopped him because I've heard of bike races and injuries. They tend to just well, wrap Mark, it in duct Mark tape and continue. Broke yeah. both his legs and got a podium at Laguna Seca back in the day. But I do Don't think you this is. Uh, your legs I know. For a gear shift. Or... He didn't. <laughs> Did they just kind of wrap his? He's Italian. It's fine. He got around it. <laughs> so who won? Uh, so the podiums. So we'll go. I've only done three podiums for the three classes I actually care about. Um, so the <laughs> we bikes. Apologise to the other classes. The bikes um, was won by uh, Kevin Bivandes. Did you see how close the bike class was? It was very close. Like you imagine you're doing what was it five thousand kilometers Roughly, or yeah. something like that? They like was it twenty seconds between yeah. the top three? It was like, mad. It was so close. You're looking at like three Le Mans or something like yeah. that, and they finished within twenty seconds of each other. Yeah, unreal. I think the the bloke who won it overtook on the last stage. Hmm. Insane. Um, he was on the KTM. Toby Price was second on another KTM. Uh, and Skylar Howells on a Husqvarna, Husqvarna. was third. Uh, in the trucks, uh, Janus van Kasteren in an Ivico. Yep. Wow. A Fiat. Yep. He was wow. he was the uh, the winner. His second was uh, Martin Macic, who was in another Ivico. Fiat. Uh, and in third was another Martin in another Ivico. So, uh, <laughs> Martin, all Fiat podium. Yeah. Martin van der Brink. Um, but obviously this year there was no... None of the Russian teams competing in the trucks who have won it for the last 15 years on the bounce, like top 10. Hmm. None of them were there for obvious reason. Um, so, I yeah, we had some new there. winners in that. And in the cars, we had Nasser Al Atir. He does quite well, normally, doesn't he? Fifth, he does. Is it his fifth win? Or fifth or win. Sixth? Fifth win in the Gazoo Helux. The what? The Toyota Gazoo Helux. The what? Hilux. Yep, whatever. Same thing. Um, what did he say? He looks. Oh, right. Yeah, Hilux. Second place uh, was Sebastian Loeb, who we may have heard of. He was of. in the... Um, he might get a Pro career. Drive. Yeah, the Pro Drive. Pro Drive Hunter. Uh, and in third... Do you know what was mad about him? Sorry, Great. I know, I know we finished, but do you know what was mad about that? <laughs> he started the first day, or it was the first week, and he had a... I think he rolled the car, had a problem, and it, and it delayed him like 30 minutes, and he still finished still second. Still finished second. He won the most stages of anyone. Yep. In the Dakar. Still didn't win. Yeah, Who came third? Stages. Third place uh, was Lucas Moraes in a different Toyota Hilux. Which, Hilux! Which isn't a Gazoo one because it's a privateer. Oh, uh, that's, that's good going there. Yeah, so he work. did pretty well. So he's a privateer. And I he think he should get a big shout out from us then. Yes. So I, well done nice to I, did, I did shout out Hilux very loudly. Yes. <laughs> in the Hilux. Right. And that's it. Right. All done. And that takes us to number three. Who would like it? I'll go next. Yeah, so my my this month in motorsport is um is the WRC's round at Monte Carlo. Ah, yeah. Is it twinned with uh, Paris either? Uh, no, funny oh, enough, okay. it's not. Or Dakar? No, it's funny <laughs> enough, it's not Dakar either. No, so no, it was the start of the WRC season. Um, traditionally at Monte Carlo. Traditionally run by a man named Sebastian. Uh, it it was actually. I think it was. <laughs> I think it, yeah, that's right. It was uh, Sebastian Oge's sixth win mm. at Monte Carlo. I think uh, so mostly he, because Sebastian Loeb was at the Dakar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, I think he's now on par with Sebastian Loeb. I think they've both got six wins. Genuine question, Al, as the one who watches more rally than anyone else, who's better out of Auger and Loeb? Um, it's got to be Loeb, sure. That's tough. No, it? it's hard to say, to be That's honest. I think because I mean they have raced against each other and they mm. have both taken wins against each other. 
they were in their prime at slightly different points. I mean, when Loeb was in his prime, Sebastian Ogier, I think, was a teenager and still... Probably a baby. Barely that, yeah. Well, he was still driving around in a polo, which, I mean, he won championships in a polo, <laughs> but he was driving around in a smaller polo. Actually, being French, he was probably a Citroen or a Peugeot. They, mm. they all race Citroens or Peugeots, don't they? Well, it's a race car. Um, yes. Along with Twingos. As we know, the Twingo is the fastest car in the world. It is down on Mountain Road, which, <laughs> yes, for the... The French rally drivers always do tend to be very good on tarmac because I think a lot of their rally championship tends to be very on tarmac. But yeah, I think they're probably on a par with each other in all honesty. They, I know that's a bit of a cop-out answer, but I think they genuinely are. When they've run together in the modern era, they've both taken wins against each other. Yeah, I don't think you can really go between them. I'd Fair like enough. to see OGA try more stuff like Dakar and cross-country rally. He's done LMP. I was going to say, isn't he yeah, racing he's... this year in Le Mans? No. He's I... not very good. <laughs> no, but to his credit, he went and There's gave... There's not a gravel. Yeah. He went and gave Le Mans a go as something different to try. And it is nice to see racing drivers go try another discipline as well. Yeah. yeah. it's Because we saw Sebastian Loeb do much the same. He raced at Le Mans with Courage. Yes. Or... No, it was Pescarola by that point. Cause it was an egg. the chassis was a development for Courage, but yeah, it, it was wasn't Pescarola. GT racing. I think Loeb as well. He used to, well, he I, went to World Touring Cars. He did yes, touring cars. He did. He did. The did he not Shoot win Cup? it? No, I thought he did. He wasn't good enough to win it. Oh, no, because <laughs> he, he's not a touring car driver. No, he's better at rally and rally crossing. But yes. yeah, anyway, back, back to, back to the WRC. Carlo. No, that's all right. It's fine. No, but I think uh, this year Toyota once again started where they left off last year and well, won. And of the top six. Four of them were Toyotas. Nice, good job. So, so Impressive. Just... So that means Takamoto Katsuta, I'm guessing, was in the top four. Because their driver line. No, he was sixth. Oh, was he? Okay, oh, so, let was down. Uh. so they will have Rovan Pera, Evans. So the, the Toyota team was Ogier, uh, Rovan Pera, uh, the world Katz champion Evans. who's still young enough that he thinks 69 is his race number is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Elvin Evans was the. Okay, the who's the fourth one then? Uh, uh, Katsuta, Evans, Katsuta Roman Evans, Pera, is a good name. Roman Pera and Ogier. Ogier was in a Toyota. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah so Ogier won. How far back was the next mark? Oh, sorry? How far back was the next mark in time? How far, oh, oh. The, the time difference? Yeah. Uh, so Ogier won by 18 seconds. Then Thierry Nouvelle in the Hyundai won by, oh, was next by 44. Evans okay. was one minute twelve. So it wasn't a blast Tanak, out from Toyota. Yeah, so yeah. the top the yeah, so you had Nouvelle and Tanak were the only two non Toyotas in the top six. Am I right in thinking Tanak's moved back to Ford? He has. He has, yes. yeah, he's driving yeah, the Ford I, M Sport. I was surprised when Tanak moved to Hyundai in all honesty. I thought it was stupid. Yeah, because the thing is at Toyota, yes, there was a lot of talent when he was in Toyota. I mean because Evans was very nearly a world champion during 2020. Um, it didn't Evans... matter. He still won the championship well, with him. <laughs> and you, you shouldn't give away your advantage card. Yeah. Which is what the Yaris was. And yeah, I, I was more I was surprised by Tanak's move to Hyundai. Because Hyundai always had a very clear number one driver in their team. The WRC's current bridesmaid. Mm. In Thierry Neuville. The new Solberg. I was thinking more the new uh, Gary Matty Latfula. That too. <laughs> a driver who I always feel an incredible amount of sympathy for because he was a fantastic 
fantastic, talented rally driver. He was clearly the the heir apparent to Sebastian Loeb until Sebastian Ogier appeared, <laughs> at which point he was Ogier's teammate. At what point does he just go to Depot and change his name? Yeah, change it to the Sebastian. Yeah, yeah Sebastian. Ma- La- Lavler. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, towards the end of his career, I think you could you could see the desperation in him, which was unfortunate. But no, I, I do think moving from Toyota was a mistake. I'll be interested to see what he can achieve at Ford. So where was he? He was fifth. fifth. Fifth, fifth overall, okay, but not... he was two minutes behind Ogier. So albeit he was fifth, he was still a significant portion behind. Did they have any? Because I hadn't had a chance to watch the Monte Carlo yet. Did they have any significant technical issues with the Ford? Or I know that is? on stage one, maybe, maybe it was day two. I'm pretty Sorry, sure. Tanak was three one. minutes fifteen behind. Okay. I know Tanak had a problem where he couldn't. Oh, no, select no, fifth gear. Okay, that's going to hold you. I yes. mean, the thing is with the Monte Carlo though, as well is. The Monte Carlo is one of those rallies that can get big gaps because especially when you're on the night stages in the early part of the rally, sometimes the roads are just... It's ice. Yeah, I mean, as anyone living in Britain at the moment, well, we've had ice the past couple of weeks. You get your car slipping and sliding. When you're trying to do this on a really narrow mountain road at speed, it's incredibly difficult. Mm. And I think even those who have played a game version of the Monte Carlo rally, no, it's difficult. It's hard. Yeah, but I think one of the one of the arguments, one of the arguments, one of the things that came out of the Monte Carlo rally, some of the drivers have been saying is um, they're not that challenging anymore. The cars to drive, they're very on rails. You just flip them through the corners, and because of the way that they're built and set up now, they're just not as dynamic as like some of the 90s and early 2000s vehicles were. Yeah, that's just an a, there is a lot, I know that's an evolution of this technology. This is why but, I like the R5 rally cars. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I think that the argument is is it's not an entertainment spectacle when, when, you're, when you're watching it on TV because there's nothing... You, you can see some of the fantastic shots. I think there's one shot of the Monte Carlo rally where I think it's uh, it's like a backward shot as the cars go past and it's through like a left, right, left. Yeah, and it's, it's dipping. Like, yeah, it's dipping yeah, in and out. Cool. Of thing. That's fantastic, but for the sake of the radio, but Sam and Creek both just went from side to side. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the argument is, is it's not drawing in people to watch it anymore. I, yeah. No, I'll admit I haven't been a fan of the WRC's technical regulations since they grew all the arrow and spoilers. I think when I it was the cool. they look wicked. I think. They look wicked. They do. Yeah. When it was the polos that. Mm. I it was about that. the last time I really liked the technical direction of the yeah. I do I think, think as well a good generation of car because of the level of aero now and because the tires are so good there's less handbrake pull out the corner of all four Which, wheels spinning funny enough one of the arguments I had was around the tires in that because the tires were so good uh, and because they lasted roughly two th- oh, three quarters to four fifths of a, of a of a stage because the stage is now so short. Mm. They were essentially, you had this problem where they were complaining about tyres going off. And you're like, this is rally. Yeah. You know, tyres I mean, are meant to be bullet for a To be fair, tyres have no, always been a huge thing in the spikes. WRC. Even if you go back, like I have, watching some of the stuff in the 90s, choice of tyre compound mm. was still crucial. I would agree, but it's like, this sh- it's not something that should be at the forefront of of a driver it should be oh this stage was difficult because of this section and no, the car I'm... was getting twitchy because the way you've had to set it up so that you can get it turned through the hairpins and so on so no. to me it's that's not the discussion around tires isn't something that the rally should be I think that'll come less though on the yeah. gravel stages yeah it's yeah, always yeah, going to be a bigger factor on the tarmac rallies because yeah. I mean the thing is the tarmac rallies and this isn't a new thing 
again, if we go back to the late 90s, the tarmac rallies were so it's a very good example of what they require. They were won in somewhere in the late 90s, I think it was about 97, by the Citroen. Yeah. So Citroen weren't in the WRC at this point. What Citroen had was an F2 class car, which was a front-wheel drive 2-litre. It was almost like a 90s Super Tourer, just... And that beat the WRC cars because it was so optimised for tarmac and they kind of, the way the cars are nowadays, they are very, because the suspension they run on tarmac and gravel is completely different. Yeah. And the Rally Spain's a good example where they actually fully change the suspension between days where it's a mixed surface event. But it's yeah. always going to be an issue on tarmac. Well, I think the problem you've got is if you wanted to go back to that era of dynamic rallying, people making like sliding mistakes and so on and so forth, the problem you've got is it's the current set of regulations and what, current manufacturers want out of the series because let's be honest at the end of the day albeit you've got this set of regulation you still need manufacturers to invest time and effort into them the problem you've got is to go back to that area you basically would have to go to the the fia would have to go to manufacturing and say right you see that pull or that hatchback or whatever it is you want to run you can modify that by you can make it safe. i know you can make it safe you can change the suspension so it's not going to break down but that's it or you can run an R5. Yes. Or you can run an R5. Is a good option, or you can really. run an R5, and it's like to Rally go back to that. Do, do you think but that, that's not what manufacturers yeah. want? They no. don't want to be doing that. They want do you to think be that's the same it. argument that we've had with GT and GT3 for ages? Yeah, yes. yeah basically, yeah. yeah. yeah is, and yeah. on that bombshell, it's the tight end of the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to be doing this again every month. But so uh, we've got a few little things. Sean, he's got his turn now. Oh, we've done three segments. We're doing a fourth. It's Al's turn now. It's bonus, bonus segment. <laughs> Ignore what I just said. Al, you've got your segment. You've got 10 minutes on the clock. Okay, Off so January, of course, start of the year. And that means we're all excited for the first big endurance classic of the year, which is, of course, Daytona. The Dubai 24 hours. Oh. Oh. Isn't that the GT4, GT3 thing they run at? In the Dubai Autodrome. Yep, so it's part, I believe, of the Creventic 24-hour series. It pips the Daytona 24 hours to being the first race. Do you know, I just get a very distinct feeling the um, the Arabs in the Middle East did that to spite the Americans. Just to be annoying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no, think... to be fair, they've run that event for ages. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I mean, like, originally. Because the... it's not that hot. No, yeah. The... <laughs> yeah, the thing, one, the weather's better at that time of year for the yeah. Arab nations, and two... The Creventic series isn't normally the biggest thing, so I wanted to bring light to a motorsport discipline we don't normally talk about. Okay, we talk about endurance a lot, but I don't think we've ever mentioned the Creventic series nope. on our podcast. I've watched it though before. Did you yeah, it, it, it's a lower level of endurance racing than things like Daytona, so it has more amateur teams. It's closer to something like the Nürburgring 24 hours, where we see a wider variety of cars. So in the... Um, <clears throat> Dubai 24 hours, we saw obviously the headlining GT3 cars, we see GT4s, and we see TCRs, which were always nice to see TCRs, because everyone loves TCR. Apart from Lincoln Co. <laughs> Lincoln Co are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think possibly the most exciting thing for the wider world of motorsport from the Dubai 24 hours is it's the first time we've seen BMW's newest works team in action, which is WRT, who they stole mm. from Audi. Stole. Just came in with bin bags and body bags and just stole them. I mean, to be fair, Audi, I, I would argue, failed WRT by not one. I think, yeah, not developing the W the GT3 car enough, and also I think WRT obviously they won their debut attempt at the LMP2 class of Mm -hmm. Mar, 
they were very much gearing themselves up to be a WEC team, and then Audi decided that they didn't want to do the which WEC. We, which we all were delighted with because it wasn't a real entry. Because it was just a Porsche with a Porsche engine. Yeah, but I still... It has some Audi badging. Instead, we got Lamborghini. Yes. (laughs) Um, But what we are seeing from this is obviously Audi have lost arguably their best GT3 customer team in WRT. Their most successful. Was it the equivalent of, like, say, um, the Ferrari team? I can't remember. AF Corsa. Uh, AF Corsa is to Ferrari. Yeah, pretty much. It would be like AF Corsa going, no, we're going to run Porsches now. Because WRT are, I believe, the most successful team of the GT era of the Spa 24 Hours. They're always up there. Yeah. yeah. Which has always been with an Audi. So for BMW to now have WRT as a works BMW team is a huge scalp in the GT3 world, but also quite exciting for the wider endurance world as next year we're going to see WRT running BMW's World Endurance Championship entry. Yeah. I mean, it's even more of a scalp that they've stolen Valentino Rossi from. Yes, that was going to say. (laughs) Yeah, Valentino Rossi, I don't, I've had this discussion outside of podcasts with people. I don't think we're going to see Rossi necessarily in the WEC. I think we might see him in the GT class. I don't don't see the point. I don't think we're going to see him in the lmdh car he is testing it but i don't know if he'll race it no i don't think he'll race it i not think if, not if they want to win exactly rossi's a very talented driver and rider and yeah rider. rossi i would say and this is in no way meant to disrespect valentino rossi he's a better rider than he is a driver yeah. he's a good he's good at rally monza he, yeah yeah he's a good mid-grid racing driver i'd say he's special yes yes in a different very specialized in his thing and then very average everything else yeah well i I wouldn't even say he's average he's decent in gt3 he's just not a front-runner gt3 driver and i wouldn't put him in an lmdh i think he's had a few podiums in gt world challenge hasn't he but obviously it's a team event i know but Mm. like i think he's had a few podiums yeah so he's had some good results but yeah, he it's not Yeah, no, unfortunately <laughs> I can I do have the results for the Dubai twenty four hours up and WRT did win it for BMW. Unfortunately I don't have the drivers listed for that uh, WRT. What's the really? <laughs> it's car number seven, so it's not Valentino no. Rossi. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, if it was forty six it would have been. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I don't uh, I think car... did, they, did BMW dominate or was it quite a mixed spread? Uh, no, it was a mixed spread. So we have um, BMW Team WRT took four, first and third. That's a good going. Second, we one. have Herbeth Motorsport with a Porsche, who are very experienced. Mm. Porsche, Porsche always do well at, at the Dubai 24. I mean, Porsche in general do... They may not always win the big blue ribboned events, but you can pretty much count that a Porsche GT car is going to be doing well. And if it at, rains, yeah. you're going to lose to it. Yeah. Yes, the Porsche GTs do seem incredibly good in the rain. We did have a decent performance from Audi, finishing in fourth. So, still so, some so they lost. Yes. So they've had a very bad time. But <laughs> uh, this not way, be pragmatic. Why did they beat Mercedes? <laughs> they did indeed, they're, but they're not a total loss. Okay. I would. Yeah, but how old is Mercedes's car now? 
they well, did recently so update yeah. it in 2020. They released the latest Evo yeah. kit. What, did it have some new paint or something? No, no, it was an upgrade. No, it has some new aero parts and some other running upgrades, as GT3s always have. Okay. Yeah, and then... Well, how high was near the top Ferrari? Actually, I don't know if we have any. Was it we 296 did? or not? No, no. 488 eight. still. So... The FIA and SRO's official homologation process ends with... So the last step of it is their balance of performance. Mm -hmm. Because the GT3 is kind of spread further than it was ever meant to go. And they've never really moved when they do the balance of performance process. So it's after um, both Daytona and the Bathurst 12 hour. Because I remember it being a point in previous years where you don't get the latest year's cars at Bathurst. Pretty much the reason we're getting the new Ferrari, what is it, the 296? The reason we're getting it at um, this weekend's Daytona 24 hours. So they can balance it. Well, no, it's because the teams are doing full season entries with these cars. And essentially, IMSA have given a special waiver to run the car until its official homologation kicks in. <coughs> Other GT3-based events like the SROs, Bathurst 12, Aaron Creventix 24 at um, Dubai, I don't believe have given any waivers for these latest cars. So, so, did, so was the Porsche that came, you say third? Yep, uh, was second. That, was that the new one as well? No. No, that would be one. the... Yeah, of course it was, yeah, sorry, yeah, of course it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would be the car that we saw last year banging door-to-door -door at the end of the Daytona yeah, gotcha. for that model. Yep. Yeah, so Porsche are bringing out a new one this year, And that they? should be at Daytona. That will be at Daytona as well. Again, I think, because they know that these cars were entered for a full season, IMSA have given them special dispensation to run, but okay. other championships haven't. Makes sense. Which, yeah, realistically, the cars aren't technically GT3 homologated until they that date. So it's at the organiser's discretion, really, to allow anything else. Um, we do obviously, as I say, have other classes in the 24 Hours of Dubai. So we have the GTX Special class, which was won by a KTM. Wow. Oh, Everyone GT2. loves a KTM. No, GTX. I don't think it's the GT2 car, because they have had another KTM out for right, a while, okay. haven't they? So, so it's sort of be a club version then. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, the popularity of Porsches continues, where we have two whole classes for the Porsche 911 Cup car. Of course we do. Because <laughs> you have a... Super Cup? They're both the same technical spec, but they have a 992 Cup car class and an amateur 992 <laughs> Cup car class. There are that many people want to race them. Uh, we have GT4s, um, which was won by a Mercedes. GT4 being a very German class lately. It's a very brand new car as well, the new GT4. Yeah, I think the, the Mercedes is a couple of years old. It's still got the nice Sorry, face. I just like the fact you said a very brand new car. Yeah, it is very brand new. Yeah. <laughs> I think the... Not quite as new as the BMW M4, which I think is brand, brand new. Yeah. And then brand, brand, brand new is yeah, better yeah. than very brand new. Yes. Okay, cool. Just so we got the, uh, the scope there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then we have some... Um, how do we say uh, a makeup for Audi for having lost WRT and having lost the 24 hours? They took the entire podium in the touring car TCR class there with the um, right, how RS3. How many people cared about that class? How many people the, were racing in that class? Is oh, a better question. Five teams. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was all VAG. There were four Audis and a Golf, yeah. which is oh. an Audi. 
So far, well, no, the the Audi is a Golf. So four or five Golfs. Yes, is, is it a TT? Five Golfs. Is it a TT? No, it's no, a TCR car. Yeah, but what is it? It's the RS three. Ah, so it is a Golf. Yes. Right. I mean, the TT was a Golf as well. Yeah, exactly. But the TT was a <laughs> weird one in TCR because the. The TT ran in the early seasons of TCR, but it didn't meet all of the TCR rules. Ah, so so they're all actually Seat Coopers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so great job for Seat out there. Genuinely, the <laughs> TCR. So the original GT3 spec was based around the 911 GT3 Cup car. It's obviously evolved since then, hmm. but the original TCR spec was based on the Cupra Cup car. So the rear wing and front splitter they run are still the ones from the um, current Cooper Cup car. So there you go. If you want to to win a class in, uh, in 24 hours, buy a Seat. Indeed. <laughs> right. It's closing thoughts um, and mentions and shit. That's the bad way of putting it. Um, we, yes, we did have, unfortunately, a loss in the motorsport world this year of uh, Ken Block. Uh, yeah. Tragically being killed. It was a skiing accident. Or... No, it's not no, a snowmobile. It was a snowmobile. Yes, uh, obviously our condolences to his friends and family. Uh, Sam, you're a big fan of him. Yeah, um, very influential driver, I guess is the the optimal word for it, with the Jim Carner videos, brought a lot of people into motorsport through those. Um, and another driver that tried his hand at many things. So yeah. we saw Ken Block racing in the WRC, we saw him racing in the World Rallycross Championship as well. Did I he think... do track stuff? Did he ever drive a... GT car or I don't think he did GT. Think he ever did, did he? There was always rumours that he was going to try a Formula 1 car. That's probably too much never grit. actually happened. Yeah. Well, that's right, because wasn't it he had a conversation with Hamilton about driving a Mercedes? Well, he raced that? against Lewis Hamilton at the Barbados Rally Festival. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. In a rallycross car. So <clears> Hamilton <throat> was in his 2013 for um, Ooh. Mercedes. Oh, watch it there, Sam. Uh, Mercedes. <laughs> and Ken Block was in his equivalent year. Ford Fiesta rallycross car, and it was not really a race as such, but it was an domination. It was very quite. It was quite interesting to see a Ford Fiesta accelerate faster than a Formula One car. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was just one of those people that you may he never his race results don't necessarily back his, up his how influential yeah. he actually was. His talent and ability to entertain were far superior. Yeah, if you look at him as an entertainer and someone that was an an, an ambassador for motorsport. He was, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, oh, I can definitely. He agree will be sorely missed. Uh, anything else for, for this? Is a council meeting? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Any more business? Yeah. Roll on Daytona. So yes. for those listening, we are recording this currently ten minutes before the start of the Daytona Twenty Four. Yes, it would have been twenty, but I did the wrong thing. But uh, yes, this month most what back again. Creed's going to Japan, so he won't necessarily be with us very yeah. often. But uh, the rest of us will we'll be there, one way or another, eventually. Always. Follow us on social media. That's Delby Auto. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.